Blog Talk Radio. The kingdom suffering silence and the
going to give you some different music tonight. Hallelujah. Wow. The kingdom suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Well, good evening. This is your Sister Pearl with In the Word with Sister Pearl and Reaching Out Radio International. And I just want to thank God for each and every one of you. I bless you in the name that's above every other name, the powerful, most beautiful, most magnificent name of Jesus. Wow. That's the same name that uh, angels adore and demons tremble at the sound of his name. And so what a blessing it is to be in your homes, in your cars, as you're walking or jogging or exercising or whatever you might be doing while you're listening to this broadcast. I know that many of you, this is morning time where you are, and many of you uh, in America, in North America, and um, perhaps even South America, it's still your evening time. But I just want to bless you wherever you are and tell you you're so most welcome. We're very privileged to have you on Reaching Out Radio tonight. And so I want to get straight into the Word of God. You know that we've been speaking, if you've been listening, and I hope you have been, listening to me share the gospel and specifically talk about let your kingdom come. Because if you've given your life to Jesus, you are not your own. You belong to Jesus. And you're not walking, you're not living, you're not conducting business according to the kingdoms of this world. But instead, you're honoring the Lord's Prayer. You're not just uh, reciting it and just mouthing words, but literally you're taking to heart what it means when you pray, let thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, how that the kingdom of God, while we are demonstrating on the earth, suffers violence. But, that's the big but, the violent ones take it. In other words, the violent ones, violent in the spirit, not violent in the flesh, appropriate and take what belongs to us, take what our Heavenly Father has provided for us, the healing, the blessing, the abundant life, and especially the deliverance over sin and the devil. We take that. We do not give it up. We take it. We don't let any demon from hell withhold that from us. Amen. So, That's what we do. We just take it by faith. Take it by faith. Take it by faith. So we're going to talk a lot about that tonight. But before we do that, let's just go and have a word of prayer. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will open up your understanding and that God will use me as a channel of blessing in your life that you will be able to understand and you'll be able to comprehend. And not only that, at the end of the day, the most important part is that you'll be able to comprehend and activate what God wants you to do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, our wonderful, gracious God. And I come to you humbly. 
but I come to you in no other name but the most powerful name, the righteous name of Jesus. What a joy that you've extended to us. That even though we fail you so many times, you extend your hand of love and mercy, kindness to us on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis, and we thank you. We're so humbled by it. I pray, Lord God, that you would use your servant to break the bread of life tonight in such a way that men and women, boys and girls, will understand what it is. When When we read your word in Matthew, and you said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but that the violent take it by force. Lord God, we want to be able to take everything that you provided for us, and I ask you to remove every distraction out of our way, every hindrance, everything that would come against us from hearing what you want us to to know tonight. Oh, God, draw us closer to you. Bless your people, and thank you that your word is already blessed. Remove every demonic force, every a satanic influence that would try to hinder the people from the word and give them great fluency to hear and to understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So whether you be in the United States, whether you be in Canada, whether you be in Mexico, South America, whether you be in the Caribbean, whether you be in Oceania, whether you be in Africa, Asia, Europe, wherever you may be, I just want to bless you with this word tonight. So last week we spoke at length about the fact that many in the kingdom of God were great sinners. And I I read and went into a lot about Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Let's just go into it again. I'm just going to read it quickly for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor, and that means also women who have sex with women, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Surely, you know, when we read that scripture, some of you might think, well, I was none none of those. That was not me. Surely not. I was not a swindler and I was not a this, and I was not a that. Listen, all of us were born in sin. All of us were sinners, every last one of us, no exceptions. The only one that was born without sin is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's the only one. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, I don't care where you came from, your background, your, your lineage, God is not interested with that. Why? Because all of us 
all of us were born in sin. The Bible tells us in Psalm 51, verse 5, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And if you still do not consider yourself one without sin, you lie to yourself. Even during childbirth, while childbirth is one of the most beautiful experiences on earth, to be able to see a brand new life come into the world, remember that it was due to sin that women suffer pain during childbirth. And you might say, well, Sister Pearl, where do you get that from? Well, I get it from Scripture. That was what God told to Eve. Eve was the first mother. So all of us, we come from her lineage. We come from Adam's lineage because they were the first man and the first woman. And he told Eve because she partake of the fruit that God forbid her to, to take of. He says, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Genesis 3.16. So that's the reason why children, you know, come into this world and their mothers suffer pain delivering them to this very day. And you can never say that, well, children are without sin. Well, when they begin to speak, what's the first thing that they say? No. After they say mama and dada or baba or papa or whatever word that you have in your native language to express mommy or daddy, the next word that they all learn is no. No. You tell them, don't do that. No. I'm going to do that. No. What? It's the Adamic sinful nature. Now, we love our children, but I'm just expressing that we all come in with that sinful nature, every last one of us the cutest little baby, and, the, you know, that's just the way it is. Remember, each and every one of us were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We are sinners. However, if you and I surrendered our lives to Christ, we are a sinner saved by grace. Praise be to God. His power living inside of us gives us power over the sinful nature. So that's why. Sometimes we have people that hate us because we no longer have to sin. The Spirit of God in the life of a believer, the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, dwells inside of me. If you've given your life to Jesus, you don't have to do what the devil tells you to do because the Holy Spirit in you gives you the power. That's what I was talking about. Last week, so if you did not hear part three of Let Your Kingdom Come, I would encourage you to go back after this program and listen to part three. We don't have to sin because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if we will just allow him to do his work. Amen. Praise be to God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. 
None of us can come to God and say, you know, I'm such a good person. I deserve to go to heaven. Not a one of us can say that. It doesn't matter how many good works you do. It doesn't matter how many good works I do. It doesn't matter, you know, what we might think about ourselves. <laughs> we should humble ourselves before God because our good works cannot save us. If I fed the entire world, that would not make me eligible for heaven. If I gave all the money that I had in this world and become a pauper, that would not entitle me to get an entrance or a ticket into heaven. If I knew somebody righteous and I I wanted them to give give God a good word for me, that does not entitle me to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm only saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about a lot of this last uh, message, so please remember to listen to that if you were not able to catch it. Listen, if you've not listened to the first three parts, listen to part one, part two, and part three of Let Your Kingdom Come. Tonight, we've renamed it to The Kingdom Suffers Violence, but, and we're going to talk about the great but tonight. So even though... Paul had named all of these horrendous sins in second in first Corinthians six verses nine through eleven. Um, he said, and some of you were them. Some of you were these terrible, sexually immoral people. Some of you weren't even maybe that was not your sin. It was not sexual immorality, but you were idolaters. You were adulterers. Okay, you were thieves. You were greedy. You were drunks. You were slanderers. You were swindlers. You were con artists. You were scammers. But God saved you. He washed you. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, what the world does not like today is because they're bound in sin. They don't want to see somebody else set free. Why do you think that people that are homosexual, they don't want to see other people be free of homosexuality? They don't want to do that because they're not free. And their thoughts are, it's impossible for anybody to be free. No, it's not. Because the Bible says in verse 11, and that is what some of you were. Some of you were homosexuals. Some of you were lesbians. Some of you were sexually immoral. Some of you were idolaters. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were greedy. Some of you were drunkards. Some of you were slanderers. Some of you were swindlers. And and Paul says to the Church of Commons, none of this These people are going to inherit the kingdom of God, but you have been washed. You've been sanctified. You were justified. So you no longer are sexually immoral. You no longer are idolaters. You no longer are adulterers. You no longer are thieves, greedy. 
You're no longer drunkards. You're no longer slanderers nor swindlers, scammers, con artists. You used to be, but you are no longer. But there's a part, there's a section, a category of people in 2023. They don't want to see people get free of these terrible strongholds. And it's nothing but the good old-fashioned jealousy and envy. They don't want to see a man come out of homosexuality and be freed and be eligible for God to bless him with a, a wife, a loving wife, and to have children, his own biological children. They don't want to see him have that because they can't have that. And they don't want, you know, to see lesbians be set free. And they don't want to see an adulterer set free and maybe, you know, reconcile with his family, his wife. They don't want to see that because they're not. They don't want to see uh, slanderers no longer slander because they want to continue to slander and, and have company while they're doing it. They don't want you to stop being a con artist because they want to continue to be a con artist. And so how dare you be set free? How dare you no longer be bound? That's their thought. It's sad, but that's the way it is. Pure jealousy. But remember, we're saved by faith in God. And then the word of the Lord also tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that beautiful? We were sinners. And God allowed his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, to be, to be made sin because he did not sin. But on that cross, he was made sin for us. So that in him and through Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And what does that mean? We might have a right relationship with God. Before we were separated from God because of our sin. But now we've been brought close to Christ through forgiveness of sins. And if you remember that not only is the kingdom of God righteousness, but it is also peace and joy. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 27, my peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What did Jesus mean by saying, I do not give to you as the world gives? Well, if you do what the world wants you to do, then they'll give you peace. But if you stop doing what the world wants you to do, which is, you know, follow the ways of the world and belong to the world and follow the ways of the devil, then they take back the peace falsely gave you in the first place. Jesus is not like that. I'm going to repeat that verse, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. This is what he says, you know, he knew that he was going to go away to be with his heavenly father in heaven and he would not always be on the earth with his disciples. But he told them, 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Wow. And, and, and God is not a man that he will, you know, give you peace and then take it back. The only way you lose your peace is when you, when you don't walk in right relationship with Jesus. And that's on you. That's on me. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Wow. Then he also says in John chapter 15, the very next chapter, verses 9 through 11, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love, meaning stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you. Why? That my joy, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. God does not want you to be lacking peace and lacking joy. If you lack peace, if you lack joy, then there's something wrong, I believe, with your relationship with God. Because even though you might be severely persecuted, severely mistreated, severely abused and persecuted, Still, nobody can take your joy away because you have Jesus. Happiness and joy is two different things. Happiness is something happens to you and you feel so happy, 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 happy. But joy is something that God gives us on the inside. So whether something is good or something is bad, that joy is deep down. We might, of course, we're not, we're not going to be, you know, laughing and, you know, and, and feel so excited when something terrible is happening. But the joy of the Lord remains. The joy of the Lord remains. I thank God that I know the Lord. I thank God that he chose me and called me. I could not choose myself. And I've gone through a lot of sadness. I've lost loved ones. I lost a brother very early, very, very early. I was only seven. I was devastated. I've lost my father. I've lost my mother. But I know where they all are. And the joy that I have, the world and the devil cannot take it away. The Bible tells us in First Peter chapter 1 and verse Verses 8 through 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There it is, saints, the salvation of our souls. We're just on this this earth for very limited time, we're not going to always stay here. If you know the Lord, then you'll go to be with Jesus. Some of us might just, you know, 
close our eyes in death and wake up in the presence of the Lord. Some of us might have to go through hard tribulation. Some of us might have to be martyred. Now, whether I'm going to be martyred or I'm going to die a natural death, I don't know. But I know it's okay. I don't worry about how I'm going to die. I have God's joy. I have his peace. And I know that I belong to heaven because I belong to Jesus. And you can have that same assurance. You can have that same assurance. However, the enemy of your soul and mine does not, I repeat, does not want us, either one of us, he doesn't want you and he doesn't want me to have a right relationship with God. So instead, he desires that we worship and adore him, meaning the devil. He always does not, see, he also does not have peace and joy. The devil does not have peace and joy. So he uses his imps, his demons, and the people that are in alignment with him and follow him to try their level best to remove the joy and the peace that God has given us. My, my, my. How many of you know what Sister Pearl is talking about? How many of you know that there are people that you have encountered and it seems that they have gone out of their way to harass and torment you? Got to feel sorry for those kind of individuals. They're following their own father, and it's not the heavenly father. They're following the other one. Now, we read in the Gospels how very much the religious crowd, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, hated Christ. They would never come out and say that publicly, but they did. They hated the sight of him, and they were always seeking a way to make him look bad, to degrade him, to accuse him of numerous false crimes, and just plain destroy the great reputation that he had among the people. He, they wanted the people to hate Christ, but instead like them, love them. And then we see in the book of Acts, the wicked religious crowd so many times, oh my goodness, so many times it's the religious crowd, of course, along with the pagans, the heathens, the people that openly worship the devil, that have aligned themselves to evil. We see that both categories of people, the religious crowd and the pagan heathen crowd, they just enjoyed killing Stephen, great man of God. And then they killed John, the brother of James. They constantly looked for ways to imprison the people of God. Many of the followers of Christ, after he descended up to heaven, were treated, I should say mistreated. They were treated very poorly, very badly. Oftentimes they would be having to run for their very lives. They were beaten on several occasions. They were killed. They were brought into the Roman Colosseum and treated like dogs. 
They had lions that were hungry, let loose on them and just devour them for the wicked crowd to watch them revel and enjoy that as their entertainment. Please read the book of Acts for yourself. You're not going to find any stories about what happened in the Colosseum. No, you're not. But you will read on how the Holy Spirit was working mightily among the believers, yet still many of them were severely persecuted. So just know that if you belong to the, the kingdom of God, you're going to be persecuted. It's not if, it's when. How badly, I can tell you. But if you read Matthew chapter 5, and, and if you read one of my messages, I spoke. I think I did more than one message. I, I think it was a series of messages on the Beatitudes. So you can go and look up, if you've missed those messages, you can look up on when I was speaking about the Beatitudes. Blessed, you know, are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. And, you know, different, different ones that talk about blessed are those that are persecuted, blessed are those that hunger and thirst. And then you see what God says will happen to them. Wonderful things will happen to them. But, but will we be persecuted? Absolutely. So persecution is not a sign that we don't belong to God. Persecution is a sign that we do belong to God. If, 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 if we're persecuted because of righteousness. Not if we're persecuted for unrighteousness. There's no blessing in that. But if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, then we're blessed. So I encourage you to go back and listen to those messages, the Beatitudes. I want to, um, to talk about our title, our message title tonight. The Kingdom Suffers Violence. Where do I get this from? God's kingdom suffers violence. Jesus said clearly in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Or we can say, but the violent take it by force. See, God's kingdom is always going to be hotly challenged until Christ returns and sets everything in order. However, the worst things people claiming to be Christians can do today is to compromise and dumb down because we do not wish to identify with Christ and his children who are being persecuted. That's the worst thing that you can do. That's the worst thing that I can do. I want to identify with Christ. How about you? John sixteen thirty three says, these things I have spoken to you. Now, these are the words of Christ. That in me you may have peace. Again, we see that God wants us to remain in peace, no matter what's going on around us. In the world, you will. Remember I told you that? It was a matter of that we will, not we may, or if. In the world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Wow. 
Now, why would, you know, some people think, and some people, you know, wrongly teach and preach, you know, when you become a Christian, everything is just hunky-dory, everything is fine, everything is smooth sailing, you get a lot of money, you get a big house, you get a better car, you get a lot of stuff. No, it's not what it means to, to follow Christ. He said in this world, you're going to have tribulation. What does tribulation mean? It means great trouble or suffering. That's what it means. You're going to have burdens. You're going to have afflictions. You're going to go through some stuff. You're going to go through some things that are not easy, that are uncomfortable. That's what tribulation means. You're going to have trouble. And I'm going to have trouble too. I can tell you, I have trouble. Trouble knocks on my door many a time. I still have his joy. (laughs) Now, the devil hates when I remain in joy, even though he's trying to harass and torment me. But I still have his joy. I still have his peace. God has blessed me so profoundly and so greatly. And that has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with possessions. It's just because I have him. And he belongs to me, and I belong to him. And that's good. That's great. (laughs) I have everything that I need because I have Jesus. So, again, I want to read John 16, 33. And so do you, by the way. But you have to, to know that you have what God has given you. So I'm going to repeat John 16 and 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Cheer up. I have overcome the world. I'm bigger than any problem that you face. That's what the the Lord is saying to you tonight. That's what he's saying to me tonight. I'm bigger than your problems. I'm greater than any of your biggest enemies. In one second, they're here. In the next second, they're gone. I can just blow on them if I decide to, and they just are gone. I remember one time, and you can read this in the book of Acts as well, and that's why I really want you to take your time and read the book of Acts from chapters 1. Take as many days as you need, pray as you read, and, and read the entire book of Acts to see what the people of God went through and you're going to see the great, wonderful miracles that were performed even after Jesus left. And I told you a lot of them. I shared a lot of them with you last Sunday night. I gave you many scriptures, not all, but I gave you so many scriptures. I gave you so many instances where not only Jesus healed, but when Jesus ascended into heaven and was no longer on the earth, then his disciples were healing people left and right. And healing is part of what we do in the kingdom of God. And as we move in signs and wonders, we're going to have enemies. As people are delivered of demons, we're going to have enemies. We're going to have people that love us, and we're going to have people that hate us, despise us, because of the anointing that's upon our lives. And because of Jesus in the lives of his apostles, and not just the apostles, but in the lives of the other believers, because it was not just the apostles that God was using. God will use 
any believer that is in a right relationship with him, if they want to be used of God, God will use you. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be a big-name preacher. You don't have to be a, a famous teacher of the word or a famous evangelist. God wants to use you. Those evangelists and those teachers and those prophets and those apostles and those pastors, they're not where you are. They're not in your sphere of influence. They're not on your job. They're not living in your neighborhood. So what happens when you're the only Christian or it's just you and a few other Christians? No big names, but filled of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all you need to be used of God, and God wants to use you. Now, that was not in my notes tonight, but I, I, I sense by the Holy Spirit to tell you, you don't have to be a big-name person to be used of God. It's even better when they don't know your name because they will give all the praise to the only one who deserves it. Only one who deserves it is the Lord Jesus, is the Lord Jesus and Jesus alone. You and I need to not be passive today. We need to be violent in the spirit. Now, of course, when I, I do not mean that we physically harm, please, Sister Pearl is not asking you. I am not telling you that that's what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not telling us to violently take the kingdom by force in a physical way. But we must become violent in the spiritual realm in order to take and appropriate. And what does appropriate mean? To make what God has given us ours. God has given us a lot of wonderful things but we don't appropriate it. We're not taking it. We're not making it ours. We're not experiencing it. And I'm telling you that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And the violent take it by force. I'm going to read to you this. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll try to expound on this a little bit before we close out tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So you see, Sister Pearl was speaking correctly. We're not asked to go and harm people in the flesh. We're not asked to go and fight like natural soldiers go and take rifles and guns and swords. No, we're, we're not fighting anybody. We're not fighting our enemies in the flesh. But to war in the spirit. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not like the natural weapons like I just described. They're not the guns. They're not the knives. They're not the swords. They're not the, you know, the missiles. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's what it means by the, the violence. Take it by force. God has given us weapons. Do you know what they are? 
They're mighty. The Bible just said that. Paul said that to the church at Corinth. The, the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What did Sister Pearl just read? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. One of the most amazing things in today's culture and society is I see a lot of what I would call closet Christians. What is a closet Christian, Sister Pearl? A closet Christian is somebody who keeps their identity closed up, locked up in a closet when they function on a day-to-day basis, when they're at work, when they're in the gym, when they're in the marketplace, when they're at school, when they're at a family reunion, when they're at a sports event, when they go to the movies, all of a sudden, they become closet Christians. Let me tell you something. God is not going to bless a closet Christian. He said very clearly in his word that if you're ashamed of him, he are ashamed, he will be ashamed of you. How do you like that? How do you like that? That's the word of God. If you want to be ashamed of Jesus, guess what? God says, I'll be ashamed of you, and I'll be ashamed of you at the most terrible time that you would never want me to be ashamed of you. Where do I get that from? I get that from Luke chapter 9 and verse 26. I don't want God to be ashamed of me. The word of God says in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, now listen to this good, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the father and the holy angels. Wow. Let me read it to you in the message version, the message paraphrase. We have that in English translations. It is not a word-for-word translation of the word of God, so you cannot take it like that. It is simply a paraphrase. But here it goes. I think it's a very good paraphrase. So this is, this is now Luke 9.26 from the message Bible, the paraphrase. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. Whoa, whoa, that's good. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. I love that. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. 
self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? If any of you is embarrassed with me and the way I'm leading you, know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when he arrives in all his splendor in company with the Father and the holy angels. This isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. Some who have taken their stand right here are going to see it happen, see with their own eyes the kingdom of God. Wow. What, what a way to express Luke 9, 26. I think it's great. Wow. Amplified, the Amplified version of the Bible says it like this. For whoever is ashamed here and now of me and my words, the Son of Man will, not, not may, will be ashamed of you when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Heavenly Father and of the Heavenly Angel. I don't know about anybody else that's listening to this broadcast. I don't know if you feel like me, but I don't want God to be ashamed of me. I don't want Jesus to say, well, look, um, I, I don't really know who you are, and I'm ashamed. I am not going to introduce you to my Heavenly Father. I don't want to hear that. Do you want to hear that? I think most of you would be like me. You don't want to hear that. All right? So, again, let's look back at Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. Let's look at the, the verse 5 specifically. Cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What are some things that are exalting it themselves against the knowledge of God today? All right? You think about it. What are some of the things that you hear people now promoting, people now doing that are totally contrary to God's ways and God's design for you and for me. What are we supposed to do? Cast down these arguments. And listen, these high things that exalt itself, listen how it says, against the knowledge of God. What the world and the present culture and the societies of this world are trying to do right now is they're trying to make you feel or they would suggest to you or they would just outright tell you, and now they even want to teach your little innocent children that God's ways are wrong and, and their ways are right. God doesn't know what he was saying in the word of God, but they they know more than God. And so Paul tells the church at Corinth exactly what to do with those kinds of arguments. Cast them down in the name of Jesus. Don't even entertain them. And every high thing. See, because this is why Christians are now being persecuted I don't know how it is in the nation where you live, 
But I know in a lot of the free nations today, strange things are happening, and people are being persecuted. There was one woman, listen to this, how crazy can this be? She was in the UK, United Kingdom, meaning England. I can say it because then I'm going to talk about what's happening in America too and what's happening in Canada too. So she was in UK, in a town in UK, in a region in the United Kingdom, quietly, actually silently. She wasn't even moving her mouth, which she could have, but she was not making any noise. And she was not even moving her lips, but she was standing across an abortion facility, an abortuary, I call it, a mortuary for babies, because that's where they're being destroyed. They're being slaughtered in abortion facilities. They're being killed. So I call it abortuary, and she was standing across the street from an abortuary, not saying anything, not talking to anybody. She was holding no sign. She was doing nothing but praying in her head, praying in her mind. A policeman, actually I think there was two of them, approached her and said, what are you doing here? What are you doing? I just see you standing here across the street. What are you doing? Are you praying? He had to ask her, is she praying? Because he didn't see her moving her lips. Well, well, yes. I guess you can say that I'm praying in my mind. Do you know for praying in her mind, not praying audibly, not praying loudly, not holding any signs, do you know that that woman was taken into the police station in that UK town? She was taken into custody because she was praying in her mind. This is where you and I are today in our culture. And this is where the devil would like us to be. There are bills in the United States where some politicians, they want to take away the authority from the parents and give it only to the government Some of these children, they have been deluded and deceived into thinking that they want to change their gender as if they can change their gender. They were born, you know, maybe male, and now he wants to become a female, or she was born female, now she wants to become a male. The Bible tells us what to do with this. Cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So what are we going to talk about next Sunday night, God willing? We're going to talk about the spiritual weapons, the weapons of our warfare. We're going to talk about the weapons of our warfare and how they're not carnal, but they are powerful, mighty in God to pull down strongholds. I'm telling you, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. 
but the violent ones take it by force. The kingdom of heaven is suffering violence right now like never before. And the violent are going to take it by force. Will you be part of that glorious kingdom of God that will take his kingdom by force? I believe you will by the grace of God. So let me end in prayer. And let me say, be encouraged. God is with you. We're going to talk about the weapons of our warfare next Sunday night. I tell you, we're going to talk about how we can be violent, not in the carnal, but war, how we can learn to war in the spirit. You and I cannot be passive today. We cannot be, you know, you know, timid today. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Heavenly Father, I pray for every individual under the sound of my voice across these airwaves in all of the continents I mentioned in Africa, in Asia, dear Lord, in Australia, in Oceania, in Europe. America, North America, Mexico, the Caribbean, wherever people are listening tonight, I pray in the name of Jesus, if they know you and love you, that they will rise up in the spirit like never before and war in the spirit, as Paul told the church at Corinth to do, war in the spirit, hallelujah, hallelujah. Cast down the arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. God teaches how to do that. And especially as we come together next Sunday night in the name of Jesus, God, give me what you want to give to your people. Anoint us. God, help us even this, this very week before we come back again. Help us not to compromise. Help us not to, to do anything to make it look like we're ashamed of you, but help us to proudly, boldly, courageously proclaim that you belong to us and we belong to you. Let us live like that, we pray, each and every one of us, in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you real good. Until next time, this is your sister Pearl. I love you, but Jesus loves you so much more. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.